poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. I am joined by my Tactical Tuesday co-host, Mr. John. How are you doing, Mr. John? Doing well. How are you, Brad? I'm doing quite well. Excited to look over these hands. You, you put all the responsibility on me this week to find hands. Normally, um, you're, you're quite thorough and meticulous in your hand selection. There needs to be a clear theme. Typically takes us about 45 minutes. Um, I found my theme in about seven seconds or so. <laughs> I was so like, what's oh, the theme? Oh. aces, baby. Um, and actually some aces that have a couple of river decisions, which I think was, was just like an organic thing to find. But yeah, the theme was playing aces preflop. Um, and we have two pretty interesting decisions. I think the more interesting one is in the back half of the episode. But uh, basically this week, to put a little context, I'm these hands come from 500 Zoom on Ignition, which to me is like a pretty fertile grounds for playtesting different theories and different strategies, seeing um, you know how things uh, work in the wild, um, especially if you're trying to improve your like. UTG button, small blind, big blind, strat. You just get a lot of hands very, very quickly because the pool is quite small. And uh, this one happens to be five-handed, but for the most part, you know, I think I played 1,500 hands and most of them were like three-handed pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Those small zoom pools are definitely a great place to get reps in for button versus blinds. Yeah, there's a 25 zone pool on Ignition that, you know, for the listener... If you want to hop in there and get some reps um, with those positions, because I mean, the small blind, the big blind, and the button are quite important positions to know how to play well. So just hit it again and again and again and again. And yeah, so the good news about my session was that the strategy that I was playtesting did quite well. Uh, the bad news was that nothing else went well. Um, <laughs> I got buried. <laughs> I got buried doing all the other things. So uh with that said, let's segue into this hand with these two aces. Um, so 500 zone, never a good sign when you start out with $500. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, who knows? Maybe this was, maybe you were just getting started. Yeah, maybe this was the first hand. Um, probably not, though. Probably not. Yeah, I think you get dealt into the big one in your first hand, so. Yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. not. There. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I raise 3x uh, with aces, five-handed. Um, the player in the cutoff flats, and they also have a not a full stack. So with those two 
uh, data points in mind, I would imagine they're probably a fish. Um, so the blinds fold and the flop is Jack 10, 10 rainbow. There's 37.5 in the flop, uh, $37.5. We have aces villain has about four seventeen total. What do you think about this spot on the flop? Um, generally just going to be checking range out of position as a pre-flop raiser on pretty much every flop. Um, I think maybe versus a fish, you can have a little bit more leeway and like a little bit more, uh, I'd definitely consider betting flop a little bit more than I would versus a reg. Um, that being said, I still think that ace is like a really, really nice hand to check, um, on Jack 10, 10. Like, I think we're going to get a lot of money, like being able to, we'll definitely be able to put a lot of money in versus a Jack, no matter what. Um, and I think just giving them chances to either bluff with hands that probably have very, very little equity versus aces um, and or just like value own themselves with like, I don't know, something like pocket nines or fives or something like that, thinking that like you just never have, they they, they just need like protection or, or you know, want to get calls from like ace, king, ace, queen type hands. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think it's like definitely something that like a fish might be more likely to do than a reg. I think like a reg definitely just checks back pocket sevens, pocket fives on the flop. Um, and so, yeah, I think like there are probably some competing incentives here, especially versus, again, especially versus a fish, but like it's nice to just put in tons of money versus a jack or pocket nines or king queen or queen nine or whatever, because they're probably just going to call two big bets. Um, but on the flip side, we have a hand that like really doesn't need any protection and benefits a lot from being able to bluff catch. Wow. So what you said there was you can better check it, either one or okay. <laughs> that's the moral of the story. Do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Great analysis. Good to have you back. Um, (laughs) So I went ahead and bet the flop, uh, bet like half pot um, with plans of checking the turn. Um, Because I think that, yeah, I think this specific profile um, probably will slow play a decent amount. It's hard to get three bets from them uh, when they have worse hands and they just get to play their 10x quite perfectly. So I, I don't really love going bet, 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 but starting with a bet and then plan is to check the turn. Um, so I bet half pot, they call flop is 73 or the turn. There's $73 in the pot. The turn is the eight of diamonds. So the board is Jack 10, 10, eight. And now there's a flush draw available and you know, the board becoming more connected further solidifies the plan to just check the turn. Yeah. I definitely think that this is a really good turn to check. I think like the turns that I would be, like with that i would even think about betting more are, are like the ones that don't complete any straights or don't yeah like you said add any connectivity to to the current flop so like deuces threes fours fives sixes i think like those are much more comfortable turns to bet on if you are going to bet but i think even if those turns did come like i mostly agree with something that you said a couple couple minutes ago about fish like slow playing uh really really frequently especially on paired boards like i think they're they just like almost hundred percent slow play like all their 10x so um i'd probably be checking turn regardless but definitely this turn right what about a 10 on the turn Ooh, i think i would just have to man <laughs> that's tough i think you could do a lot of things i think like i i think on the 10 with the 10 on the turn like I, it's really tempting to just target jack x and just like blast turn blast river um I think what I would do though is probably bet small on the turn, thinking that like a lot of Jack X, like 
can find a might find a raise on the turn and if not the turn like maybe the river but just really just wanting to keep in like hands that now have like no equity hand like king queen or you know eight nine that just can't fold facing like quarter pot or third pot on the turn pocket um, fives or something yeah like yeah exactly yeah i really like the small bet on the turn if it were trips personally yeah um but it's not but, but it's not but i it is a little bit of foreshadowing because we call the turn we check they bet half pot we call just nothing really to do here other than check call uh and the river is a 10. so now we have jack 10 10 10 8. there's 143 dollars in the pot villain has 365. um I see no reason to do anything other than check. Uh, I guess you could consider donking, but villain's going to bet a jack no matter what. So yeah. you, you get a check raise in versus that. And, you know, if villain has king queen, you want to give them an opportunity to bet with that as well. So check just makes a lot of sense. Um, 143 in the pot. Villain bets half pot again. So 70. Uh, nothing really super threatening about their turn sizing and river follow up sizing here. Uh, but, I guess I'll throw the question to you to raise or not to raise. I, I think you should be raising um, at least the river like every single time, especially facing half pot. Um, I think there's that fish are just never going to fold a jack in this spot. Like you could get called by even worse than a jack, like a hand like eight, nine. <laughs> you could just like find a call on the river, I think. Yeah. Um, I think like the biggest decision though is, is what you said about checking turn and then again checking river just giving their bluffs a chance to bet and like knowing that you're you're gonna get all the money in versus their strong value and at least like one bet in versus their um you know marginal or weak value anyway so yeah and the spr is over two right so like there's two bets left so like you want them to place one bet with their jack x and then yeah basically stick right. it in right um, jack x is going to get stacked if you start by checking the river but they're probably just call if you don't vast majority of time yeah if you don't yeah. yeah um so yeah just check ripped and villain snap i don't i can't remember if they snap folded or not they may have I, i'm not sure but they did fold um and kind of showed up with a wonky hand uh two sevens what? i'm not exactly sure what was going mm. on there but you know even better they just put in a bet with <laughs> a hand that should never have put in a bet on the river yeah, I mean, not much to say, I think, about villain's play. No, no. But, yeah, so this is hand number one. Um, the second hand, as I said, I, I think is a little bit more interesting coming up after the break. It's against a rag. So stick around. We got aces, baby. More aces. The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Free Flop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your pre-flop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your pre-flop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. 
before boot camp, I had been playing for maybe 15 years, somewhat seriously, always trying to get better, jumping from learning program to different learning programs and training site to training site, kind of feeling a little bit lost, not really knowing how to go about getting better. And preflop boot camp just felt like a great starting point, a way for me to to move from being a losing player to, to possibly a winning player. It felt like the right first step. Once you jumped in boot camp, what was your experience like? Well, first off, I realized that I'd been making a lot of mistakes prior to boot camp, kind of learning what Rangers should look like and what hands should be played and what situations. You know, it was it was exciting because I I could see what other people had been doing to me, what kind of what I had been missing in my game. And then from there, just the whole camaraderie of everybody that's um, signed up, working together, trying to achieve that goal. You know, that, that was fun. That's uh, pushing each other and really helping uh, one another, kind of feeling like you're a part of a team. It was, uh, it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed the process and I learned a lot. What was your experience like playing cards post boot camp? It's a totally different experience. You know, it put me in a position to be successful as opposed to always being behind the eight ball and, and playing catch up. Um, I really feel like it's it's the foundation of, of a solid poker game. And uh, since boot camp, I've been able to, to turn a profit and keep building on what I learned there. You know, being able to go back into the group and uh, re really work together even after boot camp was over, it's it's been awesome. What's your sample size of winning post boot camp? I think I have 70,000 hands played by now. You know, I'm a father and I have a job, so I'm not a, a professional player by any means. That's my sample size. Preflop Bootcamp is the flagship Chasing Poker Greatness training program. If you'd like to dramatically upgrade your preflop game, a new bootcamp launches on the last Saturday of every single month. The price is $199 and your link to join is ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp, all one word, or you can click through in the description box of this episode. All right. Welcome back to today's Tactical Tuesday. That is all full of aces. John, you want to break down the action in this second hand? Do it. Looks like Brad's on the button. Same game, 500 zoom. Opens his aces to $15, 3x. Small blind folds. The big blind, three bets, $60. Wow. So we have our first decision here. Uh, I think aces is... Probably the most standard play uh, preflop is to four bet this hand, and you know, obviously plan on four bet getting it in. Um, knowing you, Brad, though, I'm guessing <laughs> that there's a very high chance that you didn't four bet this hand and just flatted. Um, there is a good chance. Is that what yes, happens? That 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 is what happens. That is what happens. I, I just flat. Um, I flat... talk about talking about flatting here versus just doing the normal thing. I think that having some aces in your range, flatting on the button is quite nice. Um, typically, you can get stacks in no matter what. So like post-flop, no matter what they do, there's three bets left. So yeah, I mean, doing some pre-flop slow playing in loose formations, I think that it just is quite nice, especially in an anonymous environment where like 
nobody knows who you are or what your range is or what you're doing. Um, so yeah, I just am going to flat here mostly. Yeah. I think like another good reason to flat is especially like the 500 pool and, and definitely at the 1k pool, like regs just play very, very aggressively. Um, maybe even especially aggressively in, in three bet pots as a pre-flop three better. So like having aces to just be able to like call down three streets really comfortably and, and like bluff catch um, and even just like beat value, uh, especially on boards that like regs perceive to be good for them. For example, like ace high boards, um, they just or like deuce, deuce four, like right, you, right. you see deuce, deuce four and you're like, sweet. I just want to stack. Yeah. <laughs> All the money is going in, baby. Um, I think especially against the aggro regs or an aggro pool, um, flatting aces is, is definitely worth a lot. I agree. So, with that said, we flat in this scenario. The flop is 10-6 deuce with the 10 deuce of clubs. I have aces with the ace of clubs. So, pretty great board. Villain starts out with half pot. Nice. I don't think there's anything to do here. I mean, this is, again, like I said before the hand, just kind of the beginning of like, a really, really easy bluff catch um, yeah. with aces. <laughs> and there's 122 in the pot, so they bet 61. They've got about 400 behind. So after I call, there's going to be 246 in the pot. I think there's um, one question that a lot of people might have, sorry, mm-hmm. just going back to the flop, is like, should we raise here once we've full played preflop? And if not, why not? Um. Well, I mean, the, one of the major reasons for flatting aces is to capture value from villains' bluffs. So if we raise their bluffs, just fold, and I would rather that not happen. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if they have like a hand that wants to give action, so like 10x or something like that, they're probably going to check and then they're going to call. Like basically, they're still going to go broke whether I, whether I raise or not. But the hands that bet the flop, um, with like backdoor diamonds or backdoor straight draws, like some sort of like queen jack of hearts or queen jack of spades, like they're probably going to be betting a decent amount on turns and rivers. And I don't want to just fold those hands out. So like there's no nothing scary or bad can happen. We have the ace of clubs. So like even flush completes, like we have, you know, backup. So yeah, I just think that like flatting is the only reasonable, reasonable uh, option. Yeah, I agree. I think um, like another way that I think about the, these spots, like why we don't raise is like when you raise this flop C-bet, you're essentially just stacking all the hands that you likely would have stacked pre-flop yeah. anyway. So you're not like really benefiting from like trapping them um, unless like, you know, all you wanted to do was trap trap a C-bet basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like the whole point is to like no, let I'm their after ace big five game. of them. I'm after big game, John. <laughs> yeah, the whole point is to like let their ace five of diamonds just barrel it off or let their king queen offsuits that like, you know, don't get in pre-flop, just barrel it off and yeah. you know, raising the flop really just, it, it, it saves them from doing that. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to make up like six buy-ins in this pot. So we, we, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we needed to go right. <laughs> uh, uh, so we called the turn is the king of clubs. So the board is now king 10 deuce with the king 10 deuce of clubs, six of diamonds. So flush completes and there's two bets left. Now our opponent checks. Yeah, I, I would expect, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that I expect uh, the big blind to be checking close to range um, on this turn. And mm-hmm. I think if they do have a betting range, it's going to be like really, really tight and probably going to include the ace of clubs. 
quite frequently, um, at least for the, the bluff portion of their betting range. So not shocked to see the big blind check this turn. Yeah, and one reason for checking um, range on the turn is like, basically, you're probably not betting. Uh, you're probably naturally checking like a lot of over pairs, a lot of one pair type hands. And if you just bet your flushes, then when you check, it's you're so easy to exploit. You're just like folding most of the time, right? Yep. When you yep. split your range. So like checking range makes a lot of sense to me. And the reality is with an SPR of like 1.5, it's not as if stacks are not in play, right? Like stacks are still in play. Um, villains in this pool certainly have a 1.5x rip on the river. So to me, like um, checking back, facing their turn check when they're likely checking range. I think, again, we're trying to trap big game. Um, so getting hands like ace-queen or queen-jack or, you know, just some other ace-jack, something like that, to or maybe like 7-8 or 8-9 suited, something like that, to, to ace-5 suited, to put another bet in was really my goal here on the turn. Yeah, yeah. Like I've... <clears throat> Like in the big blind shoes, I'm always the person who like just blasts the river 1.5x after they check back the turn thinking like, oh, nice. Like they don't have flushes probably or, you know, sets like that. So yeah, I, I definitely think that lots of players in the pool, including myself, are going to find the 1.5x rip on the river. Yeah. So we check and the river is a five of spades. Oh, so what a pretty, nice river. pretty clean run out. Uh, now something interesting happens on the river. Villain bets a third. John, wh what would you say this bet looks like to you? <laughs> they bet 80. They've got 320 behind. Uh, so now the decision here is like to raise or not to raise. Yeah, I don't think this is ever a flush, which is good. I think flush is just bet a bigger size. This size just screams thin value, um, of which there are like lots and lots of hands that can go for thin value here. I think like all their King X probably is the most reasonable candidate. Um, I don't know if they go as far down as like Queens or Jacks, but I don't think that's like that, that crazy. I mean, like it could just do that targeting a 10. It is like definitely really, really thin, but when you bet, you know, less than a third pot or a third pot, you kind of, you get to start betting those hands. Um, yeah. I was pretty freaking excited when I saw this bet. I was like, Oh baby, you just like, you, just, <laughs> you, you dug, two feet of your grave all on your own. Perfect. <laughs> like, it's just like, I, I saw the bet and I just immediately thought, oh, like they're going for thin value and likely inducing. So cool. I guess their induction is going to work. I will be induced. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be induced. Um, yeah. So we just, you ever expect to see a better hand when you jam here and, and get called? Like, do you ever think like a set might do this or King 10, something like that? whatever bet the smaller do you think all those hands just go for a bigger size on the river i mean why shouldn't they like really i mean i think like i think they should the the question is like do people use yeah. this size with those hands yeah um i i don't know i don't see it very often and you know if if they did have king 10 or a flush or like a set of tens then I would definitely take my hat off to them for choosing this size. Uh, I think it's like strange to be like inducing versus a range that's probably like, I guess when you have a strong hand, when you have King 10, you block top two, which is probably a good reason to induce. 
I think. I don't um, know how much this guy is inducing versus just thin value betting. Like, yeah. Right? It's like, oh, he checked back the turn on a king, like a flush completing king. He probably doesn't have that much king X because I like half potted the flop and probably doesn't have flushes because he checks back the turn. So like what size can I, you know, try to get called by? Is it that X? simple? That's simple, I don't know. That, that's, that's what I think. He, that's what All I, think. I know is I jammed and they called like... They just like snapped it off? Yeah, it was like they... Just boom, boom, done. Um, Which, even at that point, when they snapped it, I was still pretty confident that I had the best hand. Like, (laughs) I would have been (laughs) pretty shocked uh, if Villain rolled over a better hand. Um, And thankfully, they did not. They did go for a thin value here, the King Nine of Diamonds, which, you know, all those old man coffees who talk about never slow, slow playing aces, I could... You know, just keep this hand in your chamber and tell him the story about Tactical Tuesday and how we broke this guy with the King Nine of Diamonds by slow playing Aces Pre. Because pretty sure if we four bet, they're just going to fold. Oh, really incredible how they like don't give you any credit for checking back a flush on the turn. Makes me want to do that a little bit more. I think you should check back flushes on, right? on especially the like weak like, flushes. Yeah, with like 1.5x on the river, I think like they're gonna, they're just gonna rip very often, right? Like that, I, I think that's something, another thing that the listener should take away is like just because uh, the SPR is a little bit above one or like 1.4, 1.5, when you're playing the higher stakes online, does not mean that you're not playing for stacks still because you see it a, a lot. Uh, 3x rips on the river, 2.5x rips on the river. Um, a lot I of these 4x rip, <laughs> 4x rip. Yeah, 4x rip by John. So like stacks can be in play when you 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 don't expect them, which incentivizes you, you know, to have some more traps, have some more slow plays on earlier streets, so that when you make it to the river, you have stronger hands that you know you just hold out your hands, and you know the guy with the little money bag just drops it in your hands, and then you you move on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I really like this. Actually, I really like both hands. I think the, I guess the check jam on the other hand was wasn't that insane. But I think like slow playing the aces here and then finding the finding the raise the jam on the rivers, pretty sweet. Yeah, I don't know what I do if they bet like seventy percent. I probably just call. Yeah, I probably just call. <laughs> I just I get I'm like oh I'm I'm scared. I, I just call. Yeah. I think there's like a part of me that like would have very much wanted to raise to a smaller size on the river after they bet seventy nine dollars. Like I I would have just been in this guy's shoes where I'd have been like. Okay, like now I'm raising for thinnish value, so like I can't raise too big because I still need to get called by their one pair, their one pair of hands. <laughs> so I might have just made it like 200 here or something. Uh, I mean, when like I, I do think that like there is some induction going on here. Like, yeah, for sure. They, Especially they, if you called fast. Like, they called so quickly; it was like yeah. they had a plan to bet small and call all in. Right, which, right. yeah. So it's fun hands. Scary. These these are two of the three that I won in those fifteen hundred. <laughs> um, we, we're good at playing aces. It's all the other ones that that we struggle with. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Tactical Tuesday. Uh, still accepting applications for the CPG Wolves program. CPGWolves.com. Hop in Greatness Village. Um, yeah, that's really all I got, John. See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. 
You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.